Okay, Seven Mile Road, today we're going to try it a little different, and we're going to let the shepherds preach Luke 2 to you. So for the next 20 minutes or so, I want you to forget about the short Indian guy you see in front of you, or after that, Binu or Mike Bowder, and just hear Christmas from their perspective, and we'll try and consider God's word together. Let me pray, and then we'll look at this passage together. Our Father, we thank you for this day to remember good news that triumphs over all things in our world, over all of circumstances of all of history, this bedrock reality that you have entered into our world. And today we pray that you would press on our hearts that our fitness for you is to know our need for you. Come and speak to us and help us hear and understand and believe and live as if these things were true. This we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Who are we that he should have come to us? As I think back to that night, that's the question that keeps coming to my mind over and over again. Out of all the people in the world, who are we that he should have come to us? I mean, after all, it wasn't to some priests reading over their scrolls by night. And it wasn't to some princes who were keeping watch over their palaces by night. And it wasn't to some kings who were watching over their empires by night. It was, after all, to some shepherds out in the field who were keeping watch over their flocks by night that the angel came. Out of all the people in the world and all the people on that night, he came to us. Now, you might know that we shepherds are not the cream of the crop. We're not the upper echelon of society or the upper rung. We didn't have fancy jobs or fancy degrees. We eked out a living. We were what you might call blue-collar men. And yet, out of all the people in all the world on that night, he came to us. And when he came to us, we were filled with great fear. Great fear is one way of saying it. You could almost translate that mega Phobia, mega, great, phobia, fear, that's what we felt, mega phobia, and you would have felt mega phobia as well if all of a sudden into the night sky, into your reality, an angel of the Lord appeared, and the glory of the Lord shone around you. Mega phobia is what you would have felt if the glory of God appeared in front of your eyes. After all, who gets to see the glory of the Lord? We had read in our Bibles that the prophet Moses once asked to see the glory of the Lord. And he was told that no man could see God by his face and live. And so the best that he could do was be hidden in a rock, and the Lord God could pass by him, and sort of the afterglow of his glory could be seen. And so on that short list of men and women who have ever seen the glory of the Lord would be people like the prophet Moses, and the prophet Isaiah, and us. We saw the glory of the Lord. But it wasn't just what we saw that night, it was what we heard. Because the angel said to us, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. The angel had come to tell us of an announcement. An announcement of the birth of a child. And the birth of a child is always good news. But this was good news of great joy for all people. For to us was born, the angel told us, a Christ. 
That's a, a Messiah, a, an anointed one, a promised one. That is that the one that was promised to Adam and Eve when they were in the garden, that there would come someone who would crush the head of the serpent. That is the one that was promised later to Abraham through whom all the nations would be blessed. The one who was promised to the King David that there would come a son who would sit on his throne and rule forever and his reign would never come to an end. That promised one had been born that night in the city of the king and we were told of it. But it wasn't just a Christ. The angel told us great news of great joy for all people for the Christ who is also the Savior. Savior, you know, like a rescuer, a deliverer. If you're drowning in the ocean, you need someone from outside to jump in and rescue you. If, if you're in a burning building, you need someone from outside to run in and save you. Well, it turns out that our world was drowning in sin and trapped in evil, and we needed someone from outside to jump in and rescue us and save us. And so it was that the promised one, the, the Christ, would be our Savior, but not only our Christ, and not only our Savior, the angel told us he would be the Lord. For I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today is born unto you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. It would take all of us a long time to figure out exactly what that last word meant. That the one born in that day wasn't just another rescuer like Moses or a Savior like David, he was the Lord, that the one that had been put in swaddling cloths and laid down in a manger, that is a trough for, filled with hay and cow saliva, that was God in the flesh. God come for us to be our rescuer, to be our savior, to be our Christ. And so a lowly Lord for lowly, even unworthy people like us, perhaps even like you. So I suppose if you are here today and wonder if your heart and life is fit for God to come to you, well, this story reminded us, tells us that he came to us, the most unworthy of all. And if you find yourself too lowly, too vile, too filthy, too foul, you only need remember where he was born, into a manger. And to whom he came, but to us. So I say to you what the angel said to us that night. Fear not, for I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you, even you, is born today a Savior. He is Christ the Lord. Angels we have heard on our
It was decades ago, but man, I remember that night so clearly. I mean, how could I forget? It was a night that would change my life forever. Uh, it was pretty late at that point, somewhere past midnight, maybe 1 or 2 a.m. The flock had been gathered together tightly in a circle, most of them resting at that point. Occasionally, you would hear a sound here and there. But the other shepherds and I, we had been up talking and laughing for hours at this point, just cracking up about the things that had happened earlier that day. And it was so dark outside. Can I tell you, it was so dark outside. You know the kind of darkness where if you put your hand right in front of your face, you still can't see anything? That kind of darkness. That's what we felt. And that's probably why the brightness of that explosion felt all the more brilliant and overwhelming to us. I mean, imagine it with me for a second, right? Imagine pitch dark. It's pitch dark, and then out of nowhere, it feels like someone just put a billion candles right in front of your face at the same time. Imagine the light. Imagine the heat. It was like all heaven had broken loose in that moment. It was that bright, that overwhelming. I mean, not to mention the fact that there was an angel talking to us in that moment. Now, I'm not sure what you think, but that wasn't a very common occurrence. In fact, I had never seen an angel before that night. My boys never seen an angel before that night. No one that I had ever known had ever, ever seen an angel before that moment. In fact, if I were to be honest, I don't know what I felt about any of it. I don't know what I felt about angels before that moment. I don't know what I felt about even God at that moment. I would say that the only time that I ever even went to a temple was to drop off sheep. You see, we would drop off sheep. That's what we did because uh, people would later use those sheep to offer sacrifices in the temple. And so that's what we did. But me, I, I don't know what I really felt about God. I don't know much about him. If I were to be honest, I probably didn't think much about him at all. In fact, I remember, I remember hearing the Jews say that God had been really silent for a really long time up until that point. Like for some 400 years or so, they hadn't heard a peep from God's mouth. There was no prophet that had ever come in those 400 years, no greater revelation that was given. And so if that's true, if this was going to be the first time that God was going to speak in hundreds of years and he was going to come and talk to me, I would imagine that that would not be very good news. I mean, what would God to say to an ordinary, irreligious shepherd like me? I would imagine, if anything, it would, it would be words of condemnation or news of judgment or just even feelings of disappointment with me. Not good news. And can I tell you, that's why I'm so glad that the angel... When the angel started talking, that the first words that he uttered were, fear not. Because honestly, I was terrified. I was terrified in that moment. But the angel kept talking, and it kept getting better. The angel continued to tell us some really great news that, you see, not only has God spoken into the world, the angel told us that God had come into the world. Come into the world to save all kinds of people all kinds of people, people who grew up going to the temple and people who had never stepped foot into a temple, people who were wealthy and had all kinds of influence and, and then ordinary people. He came for us as well. People who had great reputations and, and people who were on the bottom of the barrel in society. 
You see, God had come for all kinds of people. And when I say come into the world, I literally mean come into the world. Like on a real day, a real day on a real calendar. Not some sort of mythological day or some imaginary day. I mean a real day, a day when Caesar Augustus, you know that name, Caesar Augustus? Well, you see, Caesar was the emperor of Rome, really, in history. He was the emperor of Rome. And when Jesus came into the world, he was the emperor. And it happened in a real place, an actual place, a place that can be found on a real map in a, in a real city called Bethlehem, a place that you can even find right now. It still exists. In fact, it was just a few miles from where the angel showed up to us, shepherds, where we're hanging out that night. And so when the angel left, I knew one thing. I had to see this for myself. I needed to see this for myself. This needs to be examined because... If, if God really can come and uh, fix the brokenness of the world, then I want to meet him. And if, if God really does come and save us from our sins, then I want to see him. And if it really is true that God really did come to me, then why wouldn't I want to go to him? And so do you know what me and the boys did immediately after the angel went back up and all of that ended? We said, let's go to Bethlehem, Right? Let's go to Bethlehem and check this out, all that the angel said. And can I tell you, that's exactly what we did. We left immediately. We left everything. And when I say everything, I mean everything. We left the flocks. We left our belongings. Everything was left exactly where it was, and we left in an instant. Because at that point, if I were to be honest, nothing else really mattered. If this baby really was the savior of the world, then I had to see him for myself. And boy, I'm so glad that we did that. Because can I say, he was both everything that the angel had described and nothing that I would have ever imagined at the same time. The king of kings, born in a smelly stable. The lord of lords, born to a set of teenage parents. The god of the universe, tightly wrapped up in swaddling cloths. Who would have imagined God would arrive like that? But I would also say that in that moment, when I saw him, I knew, I knew that God had really come. I knew that this baby really was our savior and I knew that my life had been changed forever. Do you know what's unbelievable about God? Not only does he come to unworthy people like us, but he also allows unworthy people like us to go to him to examine the goodness of this good news, to come with all kinds of questions, to come to him with all sorts of doubts that we may have, to come with all our skepticism. And the thing is, that, that wasn't just true for me back then. People have been doing that all throughout history. In fact, I would say, if you're sitting here this morning and you find yourself with many questions, Maybe you find yourself with deep doubts. Maybe you believed one day, but now you don't know what you believe. I would say, would you know that God came for people just like you and me? God doesn't just come for the unworthy. He allows the unworthy to examine the goodness of this good news. So do you know what you should do? I want to tell you, you should come and see for yourself. Come and ask your questions. 
Come and examine the facts. Come and consider this good news because it really is good news. Jesus didn't just come for your condemnation. He did not come for your condemnation. He came to save you from your sins. So why would you wait another moment? Friends, I want to tell you, nothing else really matters in this moment. Because if this baby really is the savior of the world, then you really have to see him for yourself. Come to Bethlehem and see him whose birth is told us there was the baby wrapped in cloth lying in a manger a manger the, the son of God the one who was promised to come in power and bring judgment the one who would establish a new covenant with God and us the one who would bring good news to the poor and bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, and open the doors of the prison so that those languishing inside can come out. He's lying there in a manger. I, I thought then what I still think today, what did I do to deserve this? I, I wasn't worthy to hear about his birth from an angel, much less to see Jesus face to face. But God chose me. God chose shepherds to be the first to hear about the birth of his son. I had no idea if the message of the angels were true. I mean, I didn't really know much about God at all. But I went anyway. See, if I was worth him sending an angel to speak to me about Jesus, well, then Jesus was worth seeking. We told them, we told Mary and Joseph everything that the angels had told us. We couldn't get the words out fast enough and with enough conviction and emotion. How do you tell someone that angels just appeared before your eyes? How do you even tell them what the angels said? But when we saw that baby, that precious baby, we just couldn't stop talking about it. We just couldn't stop talking about this joy. And it's not just for shepherds. 
The angel said the joy was for the whole world. A savior. A messiah. We heard so much about him and had been waiting so long for the messiah to come. And there he was. What a sight. Everyone was amazed at what the angel said. It was so, it, it was surreal. Even thinking about it now, just, it brings back all the feelings and the emotions. I can remember the look on everybody's face. We were the luckiest people in the world in that moment. We were just beaming with excitement. But Mary, she sat there almost expressionless with just a hint of a smile on her face. She sat there taking it all in. I mean, she was just a teenager. Out of everybody there, she had the most incredible experience. How does a teenager go from being, how does she become the mother of the savior of the world? How does she go from being so young to being a mother? But she sat there just basking in the glory of her son. A proud mother just treasuring not, not just the moment, but the privilege of being the mother of our Messiah. Just as the angels told us, it was all true. And then we had to go. We, we had to get back to our flocks. Oh, but we wanted to stay. Man, I wanted to stay so badly. I mean, this was it. This was Emmanuel, God with us. This was the incarnation of God. This was him, the Lord Most High, coming down from heaven to set feet on the earth that I dwell in. I mean, to live where I live, to breathe the same air that I breathe. Now we returned to our flocks, glorifying and praising God for all the things we had heard and saw. We just couldn't stop talking about everything, the whole experience I mean, it was beyond our wildest dreams. We were there. We were on our knees before the Savior of the world. We, lowly shepherds, we were the first people to come and adore this newborn baby. Now that walk back to our flocks was nothing short of a celebration. I mean, our poor sheep had no idea where we went. In fact, I expected to walk back into the pasture and see them sitting there looking at the clock thinking, do you have any idea what time it is? And they were in for, for something else. I mean, we were so fired up after everything that we saw, everything that we heard. There were the lights, you know, and the sounds coming from heaven. There were the angels. And then there was that baby. That night seems like it was just yesterday. I mean, I still feel the same joy that I did on that night. I still think about how much God loved me, a shepherd, a simple shepherd. He gave me the privilege of seeing his son born. You know, my life has never been the same. I've been walking with God ever since that night. In fact, after encountering Jesus on that holy night, since I began my journey of seeking and examining Jesus, I only have one response to what I've found. You see, what I've found in Jesus is precious. 
just like that precious baby in the manger. What I found in Jesus is beautiful, just like he was, swaddled. What I found in Jesus is a love that seeps into my veins and courses through every fiber of my being. It's a love so unimaginable that only an unimaginable God could give it. It's a love that would humbly trek to the top of a hill carrying the very tool of execution that would kill him. It's a love that would whisper my name, that would whisper your name as it hung there dying on the cross. It's a love that would take every sin, every wrong, every broken promise, every hurt, every pain, every single tear, and wash it all away forever with his own blood. It's a love that still lives today as sure as there is life in this room. My one response to what I've found in Jesus has been and God willing, for the rest of my life will always be nothing but to celebrate him and to celebrate all that he has done for me. If Jesus has called the unworthy, if Jesus is worth examining, then friends, Jesus is worth celebrating. Jesus, the Savior of the world, has come. Let's celebrate him. Shepherds why this jubilee Why these songs of happy cheer What great brightness did you see What glad tidings did you need Oh, 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 hearts not burn within you for this Christ who has come to earth? Do your hearts not long to rejoice for all that he has done for us? Because even as we've heard this day, 
He not only came as a young child, but over time he would grow over 33 years into uh, a, a young man and into an adult. And one day he would actually go to the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. How is it that this young child has become the very one who would pay for our sins? He is God. And this day, as we celebrate, as we rejoice, as we remember that, it brings us to the cross. It brings us to the very death of this Son of God, Jesus Christ. The penalty paid for our sins, his own life. And so as we come to this glorious moment and as our hearts rejoice and we remember Jesus Christ, would you also be drawn to what he has come for? Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners. So this morning, as you even consider your life, as you consider your own heart, as you consider perhaps the many ways that we have struggled with sin, struggled to believe, would you know that he has not come to condemn, he has come to rescue. He has come to save and he has given his own life to do that for you and I. And so this morning we get to reflect on that by especially coming before the Lord's table to remember that he actually gave his body resembled through the, the bread and he actually poured out his blood resembled through the cup. And so before we come, would you take a few moments now to even consider this great sacrifice that he's done for us. If you know Jesus, this table, this meal is for you to remember again what he has done and rejoice and partake in this meal. If you don't know Jesus Christ, rather than taking part in this meal, we would actually say there's something far greater to take part in this day, and that is to take Jesus Christ. We would love to tell you more about who he is and the redemption that he's accomplishing in this world. Please see one of us, and we would love to tell you more about Jesus. For all of us, for a few moments now, let's take a few moments to reflect, to confess our sins, to also confess the fact that Jesus Christ has come into the world to save us from our sins, and then we'll partake and come uh, to this meal together. Let's take a few moments in silence and prayer to do that. On the screen behind me is a corporate reading that we can say together as we respond to the Lord's table. Let's stand together and we'll say these words together. I'll say the parts that began, we can say the parts that say all together. Brothers and sisters in Christ, the Lord has prepared this table for all who love him, who are sorry for their sins and trust in him alone for salvation. So come those who have much faith and those who would like to have more those who have been to this table often and those who have not been for a long time, those who have tried to follow Jesus and those who have failed. It is Jesus Christ who invites us to meet him here. Not because we are righteous, but because we are repentant. Not because we are strong, but because we are weak. Not because we are whole, but because we are broken. At this meal, God declares that our sins have been completely forgiven through the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus, by faith, we come now to your table. Your death, O Lord, we commemorate the resurrection of the Second coming, we wait. Amen. 
Uh, this day we're going to do it a little different. We're going to have ushers come and pass out baskets. We're going to have the all-in-one cups today. They're a little tricky, so be careful opening up the juice. They're going to pass it around, uh, grab them, and then after we sing, we'll partake in communion together.
grab your uh, cup and your bread. Sorry, it's a little stale. We'll partake of the, of the bread together. Hear these words from 1 Corinthians as we, as we consider the Lord's death for us. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The body of Christ, broken for our sins, eat this, remembering Jesus. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The blood of Christ shed for our sins. Drink this, remembering Jesus. Our Lord, we really do consider who are we that you would come to us, that you would enter humanity, take on the form of man, live your life from childhood to adulthood and die on a cross for us. We pray that we would consider that, that our hearts would rest there for a while. That we would consider the gravity of what you've done for us and that even as we sing now, that that would throw us into exaltation and praise and celebration king has come down for us and we really do celebrate he's died for us not only that he is resurrected and he actually lives he's died for our sin he's conquered it and he sits at the right hand of the father right now and we are so thankful for all of this oh lord it's in christ's name that we pray amen